Welcome. I am marketing expert and business coach, Melissa Kellogg-Lewick, and this is the Doing Business Like a Woman podcast, where we are exploring and teaching you how women are reinventing the way business is done and money is made to help you create greater impact and financial freedom, one business at a time. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited uh, that you're with us today. I have a very special guest, my friend and fellow business coach, Katrina Sawa of jumpstartyourbiznow.com. And she is a um, fellow Polkadot. We are members of an organization, a networking organization called Polkadot Powerhouse. And that's how I met her. And I met her I think, first of all, I became a diamond at a level of membership and she was my small group mastermind leader. And I just fell in love with her in that setting. And so I've gotten to know her. And um, so I wanted to invite her on today. She's got so much great wisdom and experience as an entrepreneur and some really great stories, she says. So we're going to hear all of that. So Katrina, I just want to invite you to... um, introduce yourself and thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Melissa. I'm glad to be here. And yeah, boy, do I have stories, right? (laughs) So I mean, 20 years in business, you'd think I'd have a couple, probably dozens and dozens. But what's funny is now I'm 52 and I can hardly remember half of them. So like, (laughs) I have to record these stories because I won't remember in like five or 10 years, most likely anymore, unless I keep telling them over and over. So and you got to write yeah. your book, right? I got to write a book of stories. Oh God. Yeah. Like that sounds like the most daunting task, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I started 20 years ago. Uh, I used to be in advertising sales. So I would knock on doors in my local area, trying to get people to run ads in the newspaper way back when. Right. And uh I was pretty good at it, frankly. (laughs) I was good at not only selling them into the ads, but making sure they had the right ad. And then they knew what to do when the people came in. And so I was very consultative with much more than just want to run an ad, right? So that's where I really found the love of small business owners is when doing that, because they just didn't know what they didn't know. And they just was throwing money at things. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to run your business card in the paper. Let me show you what to do in the ad. And then, you know, like they didn't know and they were just wasting money and wasting time. And so I just, I had to jump out and help them with so many other things. That's how I got started. (laughs) Awesome. So what were you doing at the beginning? Like how, so you were working for the newspaper selling advertising and then you, you broke away or how did that happen? Well, yeah, but then, so after the newspaper, I went to work for one of my clients who was an advertiser. It was a retirement community as their marketing director, or actually it was one of two marketing directors, but I was only there six months. And that's when that was actually my very last job because I was so overworked and underpaid there. They needed three people, three of us, and there was only two. And so I worked my tail off. And I just got to a point where I was like, I'm out, you know, I can't. And so that's when I finally left uh, corporate or, you know, the J-O-B world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then what were you doing at the start of your own business? Uh, You know, I didn't know a lot about this online. I mean, there wasn't a lot of online stuff. You barely had a website way back when. 
Um, and so all I knew was networking and follow up and, you know, how can I help you? And I would just sell whatever they wanted to buy at the time, like, which was mostly they wanted help doing the work. So I was more like the, the implementer of their marketing, right, in the beginning. But then that became very time consuming. And then I learned about, I went to a workshop uh, and learned about like coaching. And I'm like, oh, you mean I can just tell people what to do and not do it for them? I didn't know that, right? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> uh, so, but you just don't know what you don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And thank God I went, my friend dragged me to this workshop. And Frank, thank God I, scraped together the literally $3,000 that it cost to attend. It was a $3,000 training and travel and hotel and all that. And I'm like, I could barely pay for that, but thank God I had the mindset to just go and figure it out yeah. and not say, Oh, I can't afford it. When, when, when I didn't do that. I said, I can't afford it, but I'm getting, I know I need to be there. So I'm going to figure it out a way. And that's how I've always been right. And just leap and keep doing it and trusting it's going to be working out. And that one workshop, I went to that same workshop with that, that same gal five times over wow. the course of two and a half years, because I just was always ready for the next thing and kept increasing my confidence and my rates and changing my business along the way. Uh, I'm so thankful that I, that I ran into that type of training, which is kind of what I do now, but that type of practical, tactical, what do you do? How do you do it? How much do you charge? And let's go kind of training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so fast forward to now, what are you doing now? What's your business look like now? What's funny is I'm, I still do a lot of stuff for people, but I do it with them. I do more do it with them. I don't trade hours for dollars with, you know, implementing marketing. It is higher level strategy and coaching, but it's, um, but I have a lot of clients who aren't that techie. So if we need to change something on their website and we're on a call, I'm like, well, give me your password. Let me log in and I'll change it. You know, like <laughs> I don't have time for them to figure out how to do it two weeks from now or whatever. Um, or I'll send it off to my techie team or there we'll find them an assistant to do something. And I just force people to get more stuff done in the right things so they can get more clients. Yeah. They will self-sabotage themselves over and over and over every day. If you don't have someone sometimes pushing your buttons and pushing you outside your comfort zone. And I lovingly do that. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say, having been in business now, 20 years have been some of your biggest lessons in growing your business? Uh Well, the first, the first lesson I had to learn was to let go of my ego. Um, I would, like, I paid a lot of people a lot of money to tell me what to do and give me advice. And then I would like, well, that's great and all, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it this way instead. (laughs) 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 So I didn't, I wasn't as coachable. I didn't listen to my mentors all the time. Sometimes. Yes. But uh, there's being stubborn. Um, thinking I knew. And then also the ego, like, oh, I'm at a big conference. And in order to really get noticed, I have to invest in the hype ice thing, the $100,000 thing, instead of the $15,000 thing, like all the other 100 people, I have to do the thing that only five people are doing so that I'm noticed. I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have that. I need attention syndrome like that. (laughs) Yeah, that got me that. Oh, that cost me at least 150,000. Now, everything is good because it's on my journey. 
but I'd have a lot more in savings had I, had I just said, I'm just going to do what I need, not what I think my ego needs. And so mm-hmm. that was a really painful, expensive lesson mm-hmm. to learn. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think that you, or how do you advise your clients now to know the difference? Mm. Well, I can see the difference in them for sure, for sure. Um, And I will, I'll bring it up, right? Other people didn't always bring it up to me. You know, Mm. you have put that mirror in front of people's face. I know you probably do the same thing. It's like, do you know what you just said? Do you know, let me just tell you (laughs) how you sound or some people just need that awareness. awareness. You got to bring it to their attention, whether they like it or not, you know, it's tough love. But if you don't have somebody who shows you those things, then they're doing you a disservice, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what else, any other lessons over the 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see, hire, well, learn how to hire effectively and train. Mm -hmm. I was never a trainer. I was in sales and marketing. I was never an all my life, like wasn't really good at training people. And I, in fact, in high school, I was a co-captain of my pom-pom squad, like the dance squad. And when I would teach people a routine, that's okay. But then I'd get frustrated because they wouldn't learn it fast enough or whatever. Right. So I was never really good at being that trainer. So when I hired people, I would micromanage and lean over them and go, but you're, oh, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. Like, I didn't know how to hands off it. And so I had to learn that. That was something that people didn't tell me I needed to learn, but you have to learn how to hire, not just to hire somebody, but how to hire and train effectively so that they can be your best asset, right? Your team, no matter if it's a techie person, an admin or a social media person, you can't just willy nilly, like give them money and hope that they do the right thing. Like, <laughs> so you have to learn how to hire. It's that was one of the harder lessons, I think. And it took a long time because I had to watch and listen from a mo- many different people. And I still feel like I don't do that great of a job, but I'm much better than I was. So, yeah. And I think um, for a lot of us that start out, you know, solo in our business, like that's always, I think for me, like the first 10 years of my business, I was like, I never want to hire anybody like, but you can only get so far with that kind of thinking, right? Like it's, you have to have help. You need a team. Oh yeah. The first time, like I had to do my taxes that first year, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with all this business stuff. And my bookkeeping was a mess. I didn't have bookkeeping. I don't like to do that kind of stuff. So I, my mom was kind of good with numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. And so I said, mom, can you come in and do my thing? And like, kept me up to date for taxes. And she did once. And then she said, you need to hire a bookkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) So that was actually the first person that I hired was a bookkeeper because I didn't want to run into that problem the next tax year. Right. So I was very smart. And at the time, it was only like $35 an hour, maybe two hours a month or something, maybe an hour a month. I didn't have that much stuff. When you don't make a lot of money, you don't have a lot of receipts and stuff to, to manage. But it was just all of that. And I didn't want, and I hired a CPA because I don't know the tax laws. I mean, I could maybe go to H&R Block or wherever the hell you go. I don't even know. So I haven't done my taxes in, in years, but uh Thank God my CPA saves my butt. I mean, I'm getting a refund back this year. Who the hell would have thought I would have got a refund? Like I overpaid and like, 
And she told me to over, she told me to pay all these things, but then, you know, I thought I was going to get this like $20,000 tax bill. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. It's the opposite. Like, (laughs) wow. You know, so it's, if I had to deal with that amongst all of the marketing and selling, running the business and serving the clients, are you crazy? No, I can't. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. No. That's a really important piece that a lot of people don't hire. I see them still doing invoicing for God's sakes. They're invoicing or they're now they're tax time crunch. So they shut down all their sales and marketing for two weeks because they're doing their taxes. I'm like, what are you doing? It would cost me a thousand dollars for my tax girl to do my taxes at my CPA and well worth it. Frankly, there's too much stuff going on with all this stuff and you can go make tens of thousands of dollars if you don't do that kind of stuff yourself. Yeah. And that's really the mentality around starting to build a team, right? Like I need to be out selling and serving clients. I don't need to be filing receipts and doing invoicing and all this other stuff that I can rely on someone else for. And because you can make so much more money than you'll pay for someone to do that in that time. You can the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you can always go make more money. You can make money every day if you know what you're doing and you have the right programs, products, and services every day, yeah. every day, especially with the virtual world we have now, you can make money every day. There's no excuse. There's yeah. no excuses saying, I can't afford it. Yes, you can. You just need to go sell more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've always loved that can do attitude for you, you know, that I've, I've really been attracted to that in you. It's like, just go make more money. Like it's so simple. Just go do it. <laughs> it, it is simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so I know that you do a lot of networking and had been doing a lot of in-person events and things until the pandemics happened. So talk to me a little bit about some of those lessons that you learned in that pivot and, and having to pivot your business and pivot the way you're doing business for the pandemic and how that worked out for you. Yeah. Well, the, I, I was already doing lots of zoom calls and all my client calls were on it. I was doing master classes and webinars online. I'd actually pulled away from a lot of the local networking, but where I was networking in person was traveling around the country one to two times a month to different conferences and events and speaking gigs. So like I would book myself across the country at a speaking gig for say polka dot or something, which is great, but it was like 20 people. I'd go there, stay the night in the hotel, a couple of nights, speak and come back. I spent a couple thousand dollars in hopes that I could get a client, which it usually does always work out to getting clients. But what, what COVID made me realize is I don't have to travel to get clients. I always have believed that I need to be in person with people in order to make them want what I've got and take a next step for the most part, right? I know I could sell online and all that too, but as far as lead generation and the marketing follow-up kind of stuff, right? I needed to be in front of more people more often in more ways. So I need to be speaking more. So that meant in person. So COVID proved to me that I don't need to be in person with people. I got probably 70 speaking gigs in 2020. I made more money in 2020 than I had made any year previous. Um, and I didn't go anywhere except, I mean, I did go a couple of times beginning of COVID before COVID. Uh, but the, for the most part, I just 
hustled at doing more online. And, and a lot of the groups that we belong to, Polkadot was one of them, pivoted all their meetings quickly to online Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. And so all the different organizations that I belong to, I would say 75% of them pivoted right away into a Zoom call. Boom. And that's why Zoom shut down, I think, the first few weeks. Yeah. They were hard. To, they were like, oh, crap, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the ones that I think pivoted quickly uh, saved their memberships. And um, the ones that didn't, I still know somebody, that, a group that two groups that struggled all two and a half years, and they're still not up on board. It's like, well, they've, I can't be a part of somebody that's not going to grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think you learned about your marketing and sales as a result of the pandemic? What are some of the lessons that you now teach your clients? Boy, you can get a lot done if you're not going anywhere. I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you can be very efficient from, you know, scheduling your calls. Um, I think, really looking at how you're being productive in your calendar mm. is the key. Like I, I would say a third of my clients every once in a while, I'll be like, well, how come you're not doing the thing? And why aren't you doing what we said we were going to do? And it's just because they're unorganized. And so I'll say, open up your calendar. Let me see. <laughs> like, let me see what you're doing. Right. And when I actually go and look, I'm like, oh my God, no wonder. Okay. Your desktop's a mess. You're not organized with your email and your calendar is not efficient. So we got to go in and fix those things. That makes a huge difference. Those three things, how you sort your files on your desktop, how you're keeping your inbox because people are overwhelmed and then how you're keeping your calendar can make or break like tens of thousands of dollars more in your business if you're not doing it efficiently. But those aren't a lot of things that people will mention mm -hmm. that, that they need help with. Even yep. though they do, they don't know they need help with it. That's they don't know they don't want what they don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you run your inbox and your calendar? I sort everything. I sort in my inbox. Everything has a folder. I've unsubscribed from almost everything. I really only get like 20 or 30 emails a day. Now I probably send a hundred, but <laughs> well, I don't know about a hundred, maybe 50. Um but I've unsubscribed, you know, in the beginning, you want to learn from everything. And when you're newer in business, you want to be a sponge and learn. And, but sometimes you're learning too much and you're not implementing. Yeah. So you need to pick a couple people that you want to follow, right? The people that give really good content that, that you resonate with that, and then get rid of the others, you know, there'll be a time and a place for them later. And you have to do the order of importance. So you can't, if you're brand new to business, I'm sorry, but you don't necessarily start a podcast because you don't have anybody to listen to it yet because you need to build your list. So you need to build your list and build a following and start getting clients and getting paid. Right. Mm -hmm. And like a podcasting is like a second or third year in your business kind of a strategy or even later. It's an advanced strategy, right? Because it's not really a revenue producing thing until you get lots more people listening. So that's just one example, but um, as far as organizing the desktop, I mean, I'm so organized with my files and how I name things in the computer mm -hmm. that I can find things like that. I was on a call just yesterday with this guy who could, it took him 20 minutes to find a document. I thought I was going to die. I'm like, you know, you're paying me by the hour, right? Like, <laughs> have this thing ready before we talk. I'm like, 
what are you doing? Right. And so that's just ah, drives me crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, share your screen. Let me find it for you. What are you doing? Let me, let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about scaling and how you've been successful in scaling your business over 20 years. <laughs> I don't, that's funny that you say that. And I talk about scaling and we do scale, but I don't know what the components of scaling are. Like <laughs> well, for you, you do, right? I mean, like, well, scaling is leverage, right? It's leverage. It's more quantity. So you get more quantity of people coming in. Mm-hmm. You have those systems that that manage them first when they come in. So you don't have to touch every single person. That's scaling. So you're more leveraged. Um, having things, having people go from here to here to here to here to buying this perhaps or coming here is scaling because if I don't, if I don't even know they're there doing all those things, then all of a sudden, boop, I see a sale in my inbox. That's good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, scaling can also mean raising your confidence to raise your rates and having a higher end thing. And then just concentrating on that. Perhaps um, I know the mentor that I first started with, that's all she does now is she has this, you know, millionaires club or whatever, and that's it. But the, the beginning I got her, for pretty cheap. I thought it was expensive at the time, but compared to what she's doing now, right. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, But scaling could be uh, getting more team, right. And making yourself the CEO of the business and then having other people do what you do, perhaps if that's the kind of business model you want, not everybody wants that business model though. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want co-coaches. I just want to be the coach. Yeah. And so am I ever going to be able to sell the business or scale it in that way? Probably not, but I'll be coaching in my nineties if I'm still alive, like, just like, (laughs) Hey, let me tell you what to do. Right. I don't know. (laughs) It's adding different business models, like the web design, right. Where I pay people to do it. And then I make money on top of that or the book stuff. Right. So, yeah. 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 So I'm sure over the years you have grown your capacity to serve more clients, right? Yeah. you got to be able to do that or you're just going to be stuck at a certain level, right? Yeah. So how, what have you found successful in doing that for yourself? Um, well, building a really good group, you know, I have a really good mastermind group that uh, I've been doing since for 13 years now. And a lot of them are still in it from day one, or they're in it for five or six, seven years, because I've created that environment and a very reasonable payment structure to where it's just kind of a a no brainer to stay in, right? Because they keep getting fed the new info and they challenge to take it to the next level. So I think building some kind of community like that is a really important thing in most Mm. cases these days, Mm -hmm. whether it's a membership it's a high end or a low end membership and you want more quantity that could be fine too. Um, and I tried that honestly, I tried two years. I tried to like a really low price membership, giving lots of value and I couldn't get more than like a couple hundred people. And I'm like, what is wrong with people? I'm giving so much stuff for like, it was $7 a month. And I think it was just so unbelievable. People didn't trust (laughs) like, uh, I don't know. So you got to try different things, you know, and see yeah. what really washes. People only want to pay me bigger money. Okay, well then, fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay I'll, too. I'll take, it. <laughs> I'll take it. 
what's hard is that the bigger money, you don't serve as many people. So I was trying to serve a lot more people with the lower end, right? And that's what a lot of people want to do. They want to serve and impact more people. Great. So, but why doesn't it fly? I don't, I think the people that come my way really need to be told more what to do. Kind of like, like attracts like, right? Yeah. I like to be told what to do when I'm not doing what I need to do. And I think the people, for the most part, that follow me like it, mm-hmm. or they secretly like it, even if they say they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they like that personal attention from you. Yeah. So you'll attract the right people if you, you know, with what you like, I think. Yeah. So what are some of the stories about like different things you've tried? Because I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey, right? It's just like trying lots of different things, failing all of, all the way to success. And <laughs> what are some of the stories you have around things you've tried? Um, I've tried all kinds of different software and moving software is very expensive and time consuming and it slows yeah. you down. So pick one and stay there, please. Um, I tried memberships, um, three different times. I tried a lower end membership from $7 to $97 and four different price points and never really got it off the ground. And I'm a pretty good marketer, I think. So you know, it just wasn't my jam, I guess, wasn't meant to have the lower price thing. Um, I've done lots of events. I've done really expensive ones where I bring in all the heavy hitter people to help me and the ones where I brought in nobody. And I'll tell you, neither one is good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is good to get a lot of people to come in with you, but when you're just starting out, that's not necessarily the strategy to go. Now I'm doing more myself, but the when you don't spend any money on your team to do an event, you tend to bring in no sales. So mm-hmm. I went from a good amount of sales to zero sales. And now I found the, the happy medium in the middle doing events. Um, so events are good. I've done virtual. I've done in person. I've done high end retreats. I've done low price, you know, free events. I mean, I've done all kinds of events. So that's really fun. And that's something I love to do. Yeah, I've tried almost every, I mean, I've done group programs live. I have online trainings that hardly anybody buys because I never share them out. Like I have lots lots of stuff. Uh, I tried almost everything except for a a certification program or a licensing thing, which I almost did with my ultimate marketing follow-up system way back when, because everybody loved that product and that training. And I thought, Oh, I just need to, certify it or certify people to teach it or license it in follow up for attorneys, follow up for real estate, follow up for coaches, follow up for blah. But I never got around to it because it seemed like too much work. So I never did that. <laughs> I almost paid somebody to go and put those pieces together, but I didn't do that. So yeah, I don't know. I've done almost every business model out there and I still do a lot of different business models. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what have you found has been your sweet spot around events? Well, what's funny is when I first started doing events, I was doing the enrollment event model, right? Where you do a low price ticket so you can sell a high thing in the back of the room. And a lot of people still do those. I still do those. Uh, And the first time I did it, um, I sold $140,000 at that event, but I also spent too much on the event itself. Um, so I've done, so the sweet spot, uh, 
I've always had, what's funny is I've always had a goal of getting a hundred attendees in an event. And you think, oh, well, you've been in business 20 years. You should be able to get a hundred people in a room. I haven't been able to get 20 people in a room ever in my, well, once I got a hundred people, 130 or 40 people. That was actually my first event, but it wasn't an enrollment event. It was a one day multi-speaker event in locally where we had five speakers and I did get a bunch of people, but I lost money at that event because I put money into the hotel and the food and all this. And my partner who was supposed to do it with me um, backed out and didn't pay his part. So it was like so annoying. Um, So I did get 140 people at that event, but not at one of my own Mm -hmm. three days. Right. And every time I did one, I would get 60 to 70 people. And I'm all, what is it? What is that special sauce that's going to get a hundred? Because I know the numbers, you know, usually I can sell about 30% of the room. So the more you get in, the more you can sell. It's just the conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, it's been my little annoyance for many, many years is not being able to get more people in. And then you think it's virtual, oh, they'll get more people, but no, people are tired. I actually got quite a few people at the they're tired of zoom events right uh i got a bunch of 650 people registered for my summit recently wow but 35 people showed up in the room i'm like oh my god what is wrong with people like so it's just one of those things that i haven't been able to tackle or master i guess yeah but But then in looking back on it, reflecting on it, it's like, I'm really good with a smaller group. So Mm. I'm super good and I nurture and I really create good energy with a 60 or 70 room event. So maybe that's just what I was always meant to have. And yes, you could say that the universe just knows that about me, whatever. Um, It's still frustrating. Go to all that trouble (laughs) and you want more people and you don't get them. Yeah. So maybe that is exactly how it's supposed to be. So don't feel discouraged. If you, if you have an event, you only get 30 people or you only get whatever. (laughs) So are you doing in-person events now? Yeah. Well, I'm, my plan is to bring back my three-day jumpstart your biz event in November, 2022. And then I'm also doing an international speaker conference that I've been wanting to do for two years. Um, in person in Dallas this August. So right now I'm trying to lock in all my speakers and, and then I'll be opening it up for registration. So I'm moving forward with it. I'm ready. And spe- it's a speaker conference. So speakers I know want to come out in person. So yeah. I have no doubt I'll be able to get people to that event. Yeah. Whether I can get 50 to 100 people in my other event in November, I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say you're most proud of? <laughs> in your um, entrepreneurial journey? Probably having the faith and confidence to just keep at it regardless. You know, I have bad days. I get in a funk too. And, you know, a client will cancel. I'll be like, oh, why did they cancel? Oh, why was me? It's a personal thing, but it's not, right? It's usually their own stuff coming up. And uh, I just, I have a unique ability to get over shit. <laughs> like and let it go and move on to the next thing you know so thankfully oh thankfully that's a really great trait skill characteristic whatever you want to call it thank god I have that because it helps me to keep pushing forward no matter what and having that trust and faith that'll all work out in the end Mm -hmm. yeah 
More people need that. They do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where do you think that comes from? How do you develop that, that ability to get over stuff easily? (laughs) Well, in the big, you know, as a kid, I would, I don't believe that I was ever told you can't do something. And my parents never squashed my creativity and they would always say, you can do whatever you want. And all my parents and grandparents were all highly educated people like PhDs and stuff like that, but they were all very education. They were not entrepreneurs. Like none of them were entrepreneurs. So they have no idea where that came from in me, but I, and I was kind of a rebel especially with all my cousins with their high degrees. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to make more than you. (laughs) And and I do. And, uh, oh, what was I going with that? Uh, Like, uh, what what did you ask me? So where that um, getting over stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then when I was, I've been in sales and marketing since my first job and, I think a lot of that came from the rejection I had in all the sales and marketing jobs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, you have to get over and move on to the next customer. Mm-hmm. So the knocking on doors and newspaper ads, I did door-to-door sales, in fact, selling some other random stuff for 20 bucks. I mean, I would knock on residential doors and try to sell oil change certificates for 20 bucks. Yes, I did. I did that for nine months in the rain and the 110 degree weather. I did it for nine months and I thought I was going to die. Like, but that's where I met my first husband. So it's super fun. And I met another couple that got together there at that same job. And we've been friends ever since. So it was a really good learning experience, but also it kind of catapulted my personal life. Yeah. Way back then. But yeah, I always say I could take a no. I can take a no, like nobody's business. Like, cause it just kind of, I'm used to door. I was used to door slamming in my front of my face. So I didn't care. I was just on to the next thing. Yeah. I think that's cool that, I mean, you really grow like that tolerance to failure or rejection. Mm-hmm. Realize if you have it happening like that over and over and over that, you know, I think it kind of reprograms our brains that we're not going to die if someone says no to us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and too many entrepreneurs start their business after 20, 30 years in corporate. And they're not used to that. Yeah. Right? And now they have to go sell themselves and they think they know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're in for. And then they start getting no's or they don't talk to enough people and they think business isn't coming. And they're like, what's going on? Well, you're not doing enough. You're not reaching, talking in front of people and you're backing down when you get any kind of sense of no, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to just push forward through that. However, means get hypnosis, do uh, tapping, NLP, whatever you need to do to get over that stuff faster so that you can keep going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what advice would you give yourself back 20 years ago from your present self now? Like, what would you tell her as she's getting started in her business? I would say, listen to your mentors and don't over invest in the wrong things, really kind of check in with your gut, tap into your intuition sooner and save that inheritance from your dad when he died. (laughs) (laughs) I've invested in something, Uh, invested in real estate or something. Don't just blow it. That's a big, that's a biggie. (laughs) That's awesome. And, 
and don't settle with the marriage, the starter marriage longer than, you know, you need to. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on now that you're most excited about and how we can support you. Well, I'm working on that international speaker conference, which is Mm going to be super fun. And so you definitely can actually register for that anytime now it's open uh, at speakerconference2022.com. And I also look for, I mean, I'm happy to help any clients or, you know, entrepreneurs who want to make more money and stop working so hard, but I'm also looking for authors for my compilation book. Every year I published a book called jumpstart your blank and the authors fill in the blank with their expertise. Mm. So we're on year five and they've all gone international bestseller. So if you want to get published this year, you want to write a chapter, it's super easy. I make it easy and fun. So I'm looking for the, that and uh, yeah, I am happy to help or talk to anybody who has questions. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katrina. It's been so great to get to hear your story. I'm sure it's going to be super inspirational for our listeners and I will make sure and uh, put the links in the show notes so people can reach out to you and get in touch with you. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you. If you like this podcast, then you have got to sign up for my free on-demand video training, Grow Your Sales, Doing What You Love, where I teach you in depth my simple process that you can implement right away to harness your mindset and your skills to grow your sales to whatever level you want. So go grab that now. The link is in the show notes and I'll see you next time.